Hey, what's going on, guys? Start in a second. We'll just uh, give everyone a second to join in. Hopefully everyone's doing well. I'm sitting outside getting some sun. This is a uh, call and follow up to the stream. So if any of you were in the stream, uh, thank you for obviously joining both. I know that it's a significant portion of your day, but gives you a good opportunity to ask questions, touch on things that uh, have gone over in the stream and you might be confused about or you know curious about and so forth. So anyway, let's get started. I don't want to waste anybody's time. This is going to be a so the Tuesday and Thursday, remember the Tuesday, Thursday call-ins are 30 minutes long. Sometimes they go slightly over, but I would like to keep them right around that amount of time. So always be mindful of uh, any other callers. Um, you know, if someone else is calling in and, and you know, we're talking for a while, just be mindful of that. Um, but uh, yeah, as always, none of this is financial advice. This is just, uh, you know, my opinions, my color, look at the market through uh, the lens that I look at it through. And, uh, yeah, and then tomorrow we have a longer call-in, so I do tomorrow. My Friday call-ins are around an hour, so a little bit more open. I think that these are – I started doing these because I think they're a great follow-up to the streams. Uh, and it doesn't take too much of your day. And now the streams have a uh, stream summary that's provided by 17Bidding. So, anyway, without further ado, we'll get started. And also shout-out to the guys at Collins, Phenomenal platform. They've come such a long way now, now being on Spotify and iTunes, so you don't even have to call in if you don't want. You just listen on Spotify, the Kenry Clark Trading Lounge. I think that's awesome. Makes me feel real cool. So anyway, let's uh, let's get right into it. Um, you know, I'll I'll open it up right away, uh, just so that we don't waste much time. And I see I have a caller, Leo. What's up? I'm gonna get you on here. You know, I won't start by uh, touching anything. I think everyone's familiar with where we're at. What's up? Hey, hello. Hey, how's it going? Hi. Um, I'm rewatching the stream right now. I'm going to make sure to, uh, to take some notes. And uh, thank you, as always. You always provide a very insightful input. And like um, the, the, the thing I, I like about your input, it's like that you not only give alpha or, or like something like on Twitter, but you give the way of thinking. And yeah, this is like, this is like teaching how to, to fish and not giving the fish. Uh, I really like Thank it. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, I asked you, uh, I tried to type this on the stream, um, but you, was, you were almost finished. You didn't read it. Um, I'm really studying this auction theory and, and, and your stuff and, and the, the whole volume profile uh, trading style. And I... I am really deep into the material, but I'm struggling to uh, to develop a system. So I have like a question with two sides. The, the one is um, how, and there's another guy who asked the same on the stream, uh, which uh, if I am developing my skill now and the system, um, um, which should I concentrate on from your perspective, TBO or volume profile? And, yeah, and I don't know how how much it takes to to, to 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 answer this question, but if we answer it, and how how to to reach this level where you have, like, I, I get your system from your streams, but where I have a process, like when I sit on the on the screen and 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 like you know you you have so much data, 
and so much uh, things happening in the market like today uh, how do you reach this level uh, as as someone who doesn't have a system like me where you have a process a defined system and process like i have a lot of notes and tips and and, and risk management but not really a system so yeah thank you very much well yeah i appreciate that so i think my system is, is a little bit more fluid so as you progress like in your trading your system will become a little bit more fluid um it, it'll have more style than like the rigid structure that i think is important when you start so i think when you start one a tpo is a great great tool um because again it helps you get a more clear idea of, of context and what the underlying condition of the market is whether you're you know ranging you know, stuck within value or, or rather just balanced or whether you're imbalanced. Uh, and I think it's important when you start to have a really rigid, a pretty rigid approach to the market, you know, try to maybe find a, a couple different setups that you consistently take uh, to build. There are some obvious things that you can immediately look into in crypto because they tend to work really well um, and they don't really require too much backtesting. So those are usually like, you know, your basic first time recess of major levels, you know, so you have something to look into at that point, you know, okay, so first time retests of weekly levels or monthly levels or, you know, areas of balance, you know, how price behaves around those levels. It gives you something to start focusing on and, and maybe developing a, an approach around that initial response or around that initial trade opportunity. Uh, and you could see quickly, like, like I said, you know, it, it takes maybe a couple hours to just scan through all the times that that's happened in the past and get an idea of like, you know, what expectations are for maybe that condition when it's met. So, you know, it doesn't take, my point is it doesn't take long to go through. And this is just a hypothetical of like developing one trade in your arsenal, right? So how long does it take you to go through the chart historically and look at every time the price came back to a major daily level? And then what happened after, what happened in the first five minutes, what happened in the first half hour, what happened in like the day that followed? So you, you have something, somewhere to look initially to develop maybe one kind of specific setup. And this is really all a lot of what trading is like you get you get an idea of what, you know, what are the uh, better patterns of recurrence that that consistently take place in the market that, you know, when when you see them set up tend to have a, you know, some of them have maybe a 50 50 chance of, of resolving positively. Some of them you'll notice, you know, you begin to build like a plus setups that maybe have a 70, 80, 90 percent chance every time they happen of resolving favorably. All this stuff, all of this, it, it comes with, you know, the cliche, uh, the cliche thing of just taking time, right? Just, just all requires a, a significant amount of dedication and screen time. Screen time, yeah. yeah. That's really what it is. I mean, uh, TPO is a tool, right? It's not a strategy, so it's not like it like gives you setups. It does kind of because, you know, with TPO there are some very basic setups. You know, for a new trader, what you should do is. One, have risk management down, right? So have position sizing, risk management down to a T. Make sure that you absolutely get out of your trade where your invalidation is. Make sure that you're never risking more than what is a reasonable you know, risk for a trade that in the beginning is probably not going to have a high likelihood of, of occurring favorably, right? Because you know you're going to be making a lot of mistakes. So that has to be perfect in the beginning because you've got to be able to take a ton of trades and lose a lot because you're going to be expected to do that. Um, and then you want to find, obviously, some very basic mechanical setups, right? So, again, I named one, which is like retests of major structural levels. Like That's like an obvious one that everyone's aware of in the market. With using TPO, and just because you mentioned TPO and profile, there are some pretty mechanical setups that you can take consistently that have, you know, favorable outcomes. One of them is like the Dalton setup, right? So the, 
the it's like 75% chance in crypto or 60% or 76% chance in crypto of, you know, if you open up outside of the prior day's value and it was a balanced day, if you reaccept back within that value, you know, 76% of the time, you're going to go from the, you know, from one side of the extreme to the other. So, so uh, like crypto, scalping value, old, value areas, high to low always. Right. So in crypto, no matter what, if you open up outside of like, okay, so let's say today we have a very balanced day. So the day look, the distribution of today looks very balanced, right? So you know what a balanced distribution looks like, right? It looks like a Gaussian distribution. So it looks like the bell curve, right? Yeah. So let's say that we close outside of today's value. So you close outside of value. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to lead to an imbalance and then some kind of move outside of value that continues, right? If you close outside of value, in crypto because it's 24 hour market no matter what the next candle is going to open up outside of value so in legacy it's different because you have periods between opens and closes but in crypto if you just reaccept back within a balanced area right so we close today tomorrow we open up we make a move like let's say we make a move in continuation attempt to continue to move up outside of value except we accept back within the prior day's value 76 percent of the time if we're accepting back within a prior day's value and the day was very balanced, we're going to go from one end of that extreme to the other. And it doesn't mean the day's range. It means the value area, like let's say it's going up and we accept back underneath the value area high of the prior day, prior day then 76% of the time it's going to go back down to the value area low of the prior day. So that's kind of like, that's a mechanical setup, right? Because you know, okay, yeah. this, is, this, is a, this has a high probability of occurring. I'm going to take this every time, right? I'm going to take it every time. And the setup criteria is usually that if you have a 30 minute close back within value, but what you're going to notice is like, that's a mechanical setup, but sometimes you cover the day's value in the first 30 minutes. Sometimes the candle just nukes all the way through and it's like, well, damn, I couldn't, you know, if I waited for that, it already happened. Sometimes it takes a long time, right? It might struggle to reaccept outside. It might, you know, hang out around the prior day's value area high and kind of the area is kind of messy but then it still goes all the way through. So ideally you just take this trade all the time, right? Very basically in the beginning, but then you're able to develop the nuance that's able to identify like, oh no, this looks like a case where it's absolutely gonna start going through the prior day's value again versus, oh no, this actually looks like it's holding. And in this case, I'm not gonna take this setup even though we've been inside a value for a little while because it's not necessarily out of all the possibilities, this one seems like the least likely to occur favorably. The point of all this is, though, like you have a mechanical setup, right? It's pretty easy to spot and to back test. Um, but then you develop a feel and nuance by only just experience. So that's, you know, you're mm -hmm. going to develop this by experience alone. If you don't have structure, it's not going to happen, right? If you don't have structure. Exactly. This is why I'm reaching out. I'm trying to have structure because sometimes I have this analysis paralysis where I like I enjoy analyzing and understanding stuff. But. Like today, I watch everything live, but I didn't take any trade. Um, yeah, um, I just I so I get it right. Uh, if you answered this, so I should focus more on TBO, not volume, uh, not uh, for so the, the for beginners about, who. The okay. Thing about volume, volume profile and crypto is from one exchange to the other, you're gonna have different, slightly different profile. So then, yeah, you should probably just stick to the profile that's the highest volume exchange because that's probably gonna be the most significant. So the TPO is good. I think the TPO is better because I have both, right? So I always have a TPO chart and then a volume profile next to it. So I could see, 
hey, if we're in an area for a long time, but we didn't have a lot of volume, or if it's the opposite, we were in an area on the TPO chart for a small amount of time, but we had a lot of volume there. So you okay. always want to see that the volume is confirming the activity. But the benefit of the TPO is that usually the TPO is going to look the same no matter what exchange you're on, right? If you're looking at a Binance TPO, a Bybit TPO, mm-hmm. or an XO, you know, a, a BIMX TPO, because for the most part, price action doesn't deviate too much. You'll see that there's cases where on the derivatives exchanges, you have more of like a tail. You know, you have a longer wick in a lot of cases because there's just, you're going to find that that's, something that occurs obviously in on the derivatives exchanges versus the spot exchanges. Um, but TPO is probably the best thing to initially lean on. I mean, if you're comfortable using it, right. If it's a system, if it's a tool you like to use, no matter what, like the structure has to start, you have to have like an intention when you go to the screen every day. Like I know, you know, right away. And I've used, sometimes I use uh, post-its. Sometimes I have like a little notepad. I, I know all the things that I want to act on for the day. You know, there's some cases where you get to the, you know, it doesn't work perfectly every time. Like sometimes you arrive to the computer and you're like a little bit caught off guard because something's happening in that moment and you don't have a plan. But it's always good in the beginning, like I said, to have a really rigid structure. And that means writing a plan down. That means like, okay, you're going to kind of try to treat this like you would if you worked at a prop shop. You're going to arrive to your desk, scan the market, filter out the the opportunities that you want to focus on the most because you can't try to focus on everything identify the areas and the setups that you would act on. So like, let's just say hypothetically that that, um, you know, TPO, the benefit of TPO charts is you get a lot of break from balance trade opportunities because you could see, oh, the last three days were really balanced. I have a really clear idea of where I want to act if we're outside of that balance. So by looking at the TPO, let's imagine that we're, you know, arriving to the desk this morning. You say, okay, uh, yesterday's high, yesterday's low, such and such level. Yesterday's value, yesterday's value area high, yesterday's value area low, such and such level. You write down what your plan would be if, you know, either criteria was met. I'm going to look to either get involved at, you know, a break back inside of value. Okay, that's one opportunity. Uh, Another opportunity might be, you know, let's say that we push up and we take a high. The point is you have to have like some kind of plan for the day. You don't want to try to like wing it every day in the beginning. I mean, you never want to try to wing it. But over time, you kind of get afforded the chance to because you're not really winging it. You just have more of a you have more of an ability to like disseminate and process everything faster. So you already the, the, the fluid uh, process you talked about. With yeah, steam. yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, but in yeah. the beginning, I would absolutely make a plan and hard code it every morning. Sorry, the ice cream man's in the background. I'm outside, so. <laughs> <laughs> um so just to make sure i i totally get it uh i i often hear you not only here on the stream uh, what do you mean exactly with the word accepting so or you tweeted sometimes like uh yeah if we accept it right here then we are gonna bump to the next uh mboc MB, or value a high or low or if we are accepting back into this value area, we are going to go to the value area. What do you mean by accepting? Uh, like, do you define so it accept, uh, with, the, with, with, yeah, with volume or with time? So, so that's where, so accepting is probably the most nuanced aspect of trading. You know, the way that it's used, because a lot of people had different ways of identifying, excuse me, exactly. acceptance. The most common basic way is like candle acceptance. Like you'll hear people saying, and it's a good thing to, to focus on. Like, you know, if we have a break in market structure on the daily or the weekly, 
you know, a lot of times you shouldn't really act unless you have a close through it. So a daily close through a level, you know, reclaiming a level, daily close through, that's a, that's a time-based acceptance, right? Because mm-hmm. that means, okay, it wasn't brief. We actually closed through. This is a signal to the rest of the market that things have changed. A lot of times the acceptance I talk about, and for that setup that I named the, the Dalton setup, are you familiar with the Dalton setup? Like you'll be able to look it up or you know about it already? And I'm maybe, but the, 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 the naming doesn't. Okay. So when you're, when you're, uh, when you're at Google and when you're done with this Google Dalton setup, so Dalton value area setup, and it'll give you like a a really good description of the setup, but that setup, the standard for that originally was one TPO rotation or two TPO rotations inside of value. So what that means is technically two rotations means it's an hour long because each rotation is 30 minutes. So that setup originally was based on closing the second hour inside of value. So it means that, you know, we're done with the opening range of the day, initial balance is already done. And now price is actually closing inside of prior value. So that's a time-based acceptance. I use a lot more of a volume-based acceptance. So this is where I'm paying attention to order flow and where this is significant. So acceptance for me means if like, let's say, you know, in the case of, Let's say this morning is a good example. You know, we broke outside of a 13-day range, all right? Now, we broke and we puked pretty hard initially in the move and we had a spread blowout. But acceptance would be if, let's say, upon coming back to the underside of the structure, that buyers were actually getting absorbed. Instead of what we actually saw, which was the book started flipping and sellers started, you know, buyers started absorbing sellers. So, acceptance breaking down out of that range that leading that would normally lead to continuation would be the opposite. It would have been buyers got overwhelmed, buyers stepped coming in, kept coming in, but price kept ticking lower and they were getting absorbed. Right. So there's a lot more nuance when you, when you add sort of the uh, order flow arm into it. And I think, you know, a lot of people have different acceptance is a a broad term. Like some people talk about moving average acceptance, right? For me, acceptance is purely based on volume. So when I see something like today where it went bid, I'm like, okay, this is not accepted outside, right? Because buyers are willing to actually bid this up down here. This is probably going to be, you know, some kind of this, this is, and it was at the low absorption. So absorption and acceptance are kind of, I mean, I want to say they're two different things, but you can say that. So let's like, it's hard to do this when you're not doing a stream because I, I want you to like visualize this. Let's say in this room. Yeah, I am I am I am having agar uh, uh, in front of me and and today I almost watch every 1 minute candle. So you can just tell me uh, because I didn't <laughs> take any trade. So yeah. Yeah. I am focused. So let's say that we're talking about acceptance through a range high. So, you know, hypothetically speaking, we have a 4-day range or a 13-day range like today. And let's say we broke up through the high instead of through the low. Mm-hmm. All right? What I want to see for acceptance is that when selling does come in, price is able to still stay bid and move higher. So I'm looking at a footprint. I'm looking at a CVD. I'm looking for signs of absorption at that level. So really, you just want to see that suddenly the level is being bid up again, right? Where previously when price was not able to hold, you know, the bid backed off. Buyers you, were less aggressive. It's a more order flow generated. Oh, um, you, you see, I, I, I had the same, exactly the same thought uh, today on the first dump uh, like before we dumped to uh, 28 we dumped we had the 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 cvd divergence but i didn't saw it because i was more zoomed in and i was yeah. customizing my uh, my dashboard and um, 
Then we had the dump where Bryce aligned with CVD for the first time in the day. Uh, like the CVD dumps, this means uh, a lot of uh, market sell orders and the, the, the bits didn't halt. And then we was at 29,000. Um, uh, and I thought, okay, this is a good absorption because, yeah, we had like, but apparently my my theory was valid because now we are bullish, but we had another dump before. Yeah, I didn't uh, took any trade, but you know, I think it was at, um, but I am at different time zone. So the first dump, it, it was the first from uh, 29,600 to uh to to uh, yeah to twenty eight nine hundred um this is like a, a, an absorption sign or yeah was I well wrong? so like initially there's a in the initial move it's I'm never it's not really the case a lot of times I'm going to be able to tell if something is accepting in like the first minute or two after it's usually what transpires afterward and and who's winning the battle in the couple minutes after so like this morning when I shared the trade on YouTube. Um, did you watch the YouTube yet? I don't remember if you said that. The 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 stream, you mean? Yeah. Uh, I was watching it, but not, not okay. all of it. Yeah, I know. I'm. So if you watch the beginning, where I go over like the price remaining bid, yeah, that whole transition where I realized that it wasn't acceptance through, that took like sixteen to twenty minutes, I think. So you mean yeah, the long or the short, like before the dump or the the long after the dump? No, so the long, the long after the dump, on the assumption that there was not acceptance outside of the range, that ah, we weren't okay, going to okay. be accepted. Okay. So it, it was like a twenty-minute period of paying attention to order flow. So it wasn't like you're looking at this and getting an immediate idea in the first couple minutes to follow, because there's a lot of noise, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, this is some, this is probably one of the. What I would say is like, no matter what. So instead of overcomplicating things in the beginning. The first thing that everyone should do for acceptance should be probably a time-based acceptance. But the problem is, like, meaning if you're starting, you know, it's probably best to have some kind of time-based criteria, like a 15-minute close through or 30-minute close through. The problem with that is then you're going to miss out. You will miss out on certain setups that move fast in the beginning because you're, again, you're just relying on a, a time-based presence through the level. Um, it's very nuanced, obviously. Right. So mm -hmm. the, the idea of acceptance is it's very nuanced. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it was uh, insightful again. And um, yeah, I, I was watching all of uh, the price action today. I was customizing a very uh, broad uh, CVD uh, and Delta uh, dashboard on agar for different exchanges and aggregated together. And yeah. um, I, I, I missed the shot because uh, in hint size now it's obvious that it was uh, the cvd was rising and the price was making lower high so this means a lot of uh, a lot of uh, offers and um, the, the the market buyers didn't push the price so this means that the, the let me um, let me just give you a little bit of a i don't want to cut you off but let me give you a little bit of advice and this is financial advice. Um, so you're you're starting off and you don't really have like a, a system system yet. Yeah. So one of the things that's taking place right now, and it's no harm on or foul by anyone who's doing it, because there's a lot of people that are getting interested in order flow. And it just happens to be a time when order flow products are becoming more popular and there's more platforms and there's more tools. So the one of the things that people are doing is they're like juicing up their 
their cockpit with every tool and every yeah, yeah, little yeah. bit of flow. You don't need to do that at all. If anything, that is going to, that's going to hamper your performance and your ability to see the clean interaction in the beginning. So if you're like, yeah, it's because then you get to analysis paralysis where you're like looking at Binance, or looking at FTX. Yeah. Oh, that's it's <laughs> honestly, I, I only like, I will get an idea once a day of like, okay, you know, back and forth, I, you know, I don't always have an idea of exactly what Binance is doing versus FTX. I look at it once or twice. Uh, if it's, if anything stands out, that's extreme. Okay. That's noteworthy. But at the end of the day, I'd rather have them aggregated. I'd rather know what spot is doing. And then what the, excuse me, the leading spot exchanges are doing and then the leading derivative exchanges, but have them aggregated. You don't, you definitely shouldn't introduce complexity early on because yeah, there are some great, you know, there, there is some alpha to know, you know, when it comes to knowing how exchanges relate to each other and what setups might occur that are really nuanced. But in the beginning, you absolutely want to stay broad and you just want to first understand like the concepts behind why price moves, you know, how traps work. And you want to only really act on the things that are like blatantly obvious, like really, you, you want to only really act on really obvious setups, like really, really obvious CBD divergences or really, really obvious pockets of trap traders, right? In Delta at, at highs and lows. Those are the ones that clearly, you know, they might not happen the most because obviously things that are more atomized and granular will be more popular. But when they do happen, they're going to have the highest probability of being favorable and sort of easy to take. And if you do all that in the beginning where you have like, and again, Agritrade and like Kingfisher and all these platforms, they have all these cool features, but it's like proprietary and it's messy. You don't need all that at all. Honestly, you don't. Like simplicity is, I keep, I always go back to a place of simplicity where I realize like, oh, why did I, I added this thing to my screen. I haven't even looked at it in like three weeks. And like, why the fuck did I add it? Because I thought it might give me an edge and I haven't paid attention to it once. So hmm. you definitely want to keep it simple, especially in the beginning. Yeah, thank you. I definitely have this problem now because I enjoy the process of learning. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I like, and, and today I was like looking at the, the whole dashboard and trying to, to figure out patterns. But in hindsight, it was very simple. But yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You got it, Leo. All right, bud. I'm going to take the next caller. It was good talking to you, man. Okay, digital. What's up, Al? Hey, you can hear me. You uh, sound like you're still muted or you don't sound like you're still muted. There's a lack of sound, so you are still muted. I'll let you uh, call in again. So try to figure out your mute button. I'm gonna grab uh, the next caller, Aaron. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, can you hear me? Okay, Aaron disappeared. Christopher. What's up, Christopher? Ah, all good. How are you doing? Good, good. Interesting day for the markets. Yeah, Um, fun. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I had a question since uh, maybe it's uh, 
not relevant, but seems like the S&P is finding some acceptance. And I know that like in previous bear markets, the rallies have been quite vicious, like 10 to 15% in quite a short amount of time. And then it just dies off again. And I don't know, I was just thinking like history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. So do you think we might see like a continuous rally on S&P right now as we're getting acceptance over yeah, well, S&P is at 406 now. Do you think we might continue up? And this, yeah, the, if you have any thoughts about the correlation to Bitcoin, since Bitcoin is looking pretty weak compared to S&P also uh, with decoupling. Yeah, I mean, so one thing, <clears throat> just to reiterate that I mentioned during the stream, we are like, you know, we're at a period where you expect like month-end rebalancing flows to come into the market. Um, and in this case, you might see a significant positive response from those. Um, the S&P was down the same way BTC was down or the, the, the NQ was down. Like, I said, what was it like? The same sort of eight weeks in a row, maybe. Uh, one of the indices and BTC sort of the same situation where everything was kind of, you hate to say oversold because things can just remain oversold. It just means that there's a lot of, you know, momentum. It's dangerous to like see something oversold and think that it has to bounce, but significant bounce from last year's high volume level. Um, this is not like a crazy bounce so far. So I think that might be a little bit more bullish, if anything, that it's been like a nice, Peace, no, I don't want to say peaceful. It sounds kind of ridiculous. There hasn't been like a crazy move in the S&P. The VIX is kind of coming off lightly. Um, it looks pretty tame down here. And I think that I think it's possible that we see a significant amount of relief more than what we have right now. So I, I think that uh, I'm going to bet on us putting in more upside over the coming weeks in the S&P. I think that if anything, yeah, maybe we can continue to leg down um, over the summer, but I think this looks good. And we have the midterms, uh, what, in November? Um, inflation is, I'm just trying to think of some factors, like inflation is probably peaked. FOMC coming up. Uh, there's some conversation, like I said, about, you know, some talk about laying off maybe towards the end of the year. Um, but now most of the conversation is around recession fears. So, yeah, I think the good thing is that like inflation fears, peak inflation fears behind us. And that was, you know, that was the main sort of, uh, that was the main language. That was the main sort of thing that the market had, had, um, focused on for the last couple of months. So, yeah, I think it looks good. I mean, I'm not getting overexposed based on just hope alone. I think from a structural standpoint, both of these uh, both of these moves still look like they make sense. Um, you know, the S and P is bouncing off of a significant level. BTC, like I said during the stream, like it's it's at the extreme extreme portion of it, but it is still within last year's range. Um, the thing is, yesterday, the last day, well, today it's hard to tell because Bitcoin bounced, but it bounced off of a pretty nice squeeze. Um, there was a there's been some decoupling, which could be good, right? It could mean that anyone who was trading both of them similarly could have been either, you know, they're completely out of the market or they've, they're out to the extent that they cared to be. Um, so we have seen some decoupling in the last two days. It's the first time that it's really been meaningful. But it, it, <clears throat> the thing is, it was like, it was meaningful, but 
it was uh, not in Bitcoin's favor initially, right? So the S and P has been moving up for the last two days, whereas you know Bitcoin has uh, has struggled until until today. So I think things look. I don't think they look. I don't think they look bad. I don't think they look amazing. Um, I still think that no matter what, we're in a position where this is even. Let's say if this bottoms over the next, you know, two quarters, um, which you know, is completely reasonable to expect that maybe towards the end of the year we put in. By the end of the year, we put in some kind of bottom, but I think it still means that implies that we're moving sideways for a, for a longer period of time than just moving like straight up from here. So I like this bounce. I, I don't think that this bounce is like. This bounce doesn't look too much like any kind of um, V-shaped short covering bounce. It actually looks pretty healthy so far, and, and things seem uh, they seem good. Awesome. Yeah, I was thinking the same because uh, we took kind of take the stairs up. It seems like, and not just take the elevator up, and then we go down right. and starting to build some nice structure on the way. So I was thinking the same. Like possibly we could shoot up, like possibly five percent higher. At least if one goes by history and all that. And yeah, I yeah. also wanted to thank you for the shout out on the ape. And uh, yeah, just overall the streams helped me to catch the move uh, both down and then from down up today. So thank you for all the work you do. Oh, thank you, Christopher. <laughs> thank you. Ciao. All right. Does anyone else want to hop on? We're at uh, 35 minutes. Oh, my ape is uh, coming back against me now. So don't thank me too early because Lilo. What's up, buddy? Um, yeah. Um, when, uh, when, when we start talking, I was in the moment. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, all, all, everything good. I was watching you, re-watching your uh, stream to take notes. And uh, the moment I paused to, to talk with you here was the moment where you have this screen of the chat. Is there by any chance where I can get in this chat? Because... <laughs> no. no <laughs> I have to say that real fast. No, the reason why... Um... So I wanted to share that. I was like, oh, this would be a great chat to share. And then I'm thinking, well, oh, crap, I can't because there are people in here that definitely don't want to be shared. It's a very small group of people. I, 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 I totally get it. I just uh, yeah. I, I thought uh, I shoot my shot because a lot of, of course, things course. I learn from you and from other guys like are... I just I, I I always have this learning syndrome where when I, you learn something you you tell yourself why you are you were such a dumb guy and you didn't learn it last month or last week or whatever. That's but, what the process uh, is. Yeah, this is uh, definitely it is, and um, yeah, I'm trying to follow your tip now and minimize a lot of uh, indicators. Um, and um, on your stream, you use uh, like. Uh, the the term order flow and and uh, and uh, market profile you use a lot of stuff like dom uh, delta um, footprint and a lot of uh, stuff so for related to the the question you very well answered before uh, what from your stream what tools should we start with like uh, the tbo more than volume uh, totally get it now i enjoy understanding the new tools you use uh, because I enjoy the process of learning, uh, but it's also a lot of uh, input and a, a lot of tools. What what are the like most five thing uh, or like in, 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 in the process or in the daily use should I take and, and just... I would say, I would say focus on, 
instead of giving you five things, because that's like, you know, that's a lot, again, to try to synthesize. Because I look at a footprint, I look at a TPO chart, I look at regular candles, I look at a tape, and I look at my my DOM. Rather, I use my DOM. I don't really look at my DOM too much. Like, to, the, this morning, I saw the spreads blow out, and I was on the DOM. But um, I would say have an understanding. If, the, if there's one thing you're going to go into learning next, it's have an understanding uh, with respect to open interest and how it's meaningful, how the changes in it are meaningful through important, through certain levels, right? So understanding what open, what large open increases in open interest imply or mean for price um, from sort of a trap trader standpoint, right? Especially if like you could combine this with funding, you could combine this with CVD. So maybe I would say focus most of your attention now on open interest, right? Learning about open interest, um, so for example, for the, and I say this because the last 13 days, when we've had moves toward extremes, it's been basically the same amount of late positioning that's come into the market. That's marked the highs and lows. And it was like 250, 300 million contracts being added pretty late. And as the, those came in and price no longer started moving and they started, and they were no longer getting rewarded, you know, it's clear that as price moves against that area of the market, there's a, now a lot of people that are going to potentially be off sides. So I would say learn about open interest, right? Um, yeah, go on. Sorry. No, that's that. I would say put your um, yeah. I, I I learned about inter, uh, open interest and uh, watched today on Twitter that you are using the one uh, the script from Binance where you have to manually switch the the coin and in the indicator, but um, like. Doesn't the C because I need to get from you to, so, so the the minimalist way of uh, to follow your tip that at the beginning I shouldn't have uh, complicated uh, things to look after. Um, doesn't the CVD the aggregated CVD of the perps tells me also uh, like uh, uh, what's happening? Um, like yeah, if, like if if you if you see for example that there's absorption, right? So if you see there's a CVD divergence. And there's absorption. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, that could just be from positions closing out and this, and the level still absorbing it, but from positions closing out, what I, some of the best setups are when there are actually new positions that are trapped. And that's where looking at open interest is useful because it, with open interest, you get an idea of exactly how much new positions came into the market or how many new positions came into the market. Cause that acts as fuel, right? So that helps, you know, uh, a swing failure with a large increase in open interest is something that is going to be more meaningful than a swing failure pattern with no increase. Right? Because mm -hmm. one implies that there might be a counterparty or significant amount of counterparty, you know, counterparties, right? One side or the other that are there to get squeezed. So I would say focus on open. What you can do is use open interest and CVD alongside each other to get an idea of where, you know, absorption has actually led to new business coming into the market versus just old things closing out. Because you could have a CVD divergence like this morning at the low and it could have been a sign of absorption but it could have just been positions closing out into the bid versus we saw at the low that it was actually open interest increasing as well so you knew that there are new shorts coming into the market mm -hmm. okay but don't get too focused on i would say focus first on on tpo right getting having an understanding of, of market structure using some basic tpo principles before going like too far into again like overextending yourself and trying to add too much 
So uh, TBO, I'm going to use it on uh, TradingView mostly and uh, CVD and open interest for starters, you said. Yep. Okay, thank you very much. You got it. All right, does anyone else want to call in? Some of you guys called in, but then you disappeared. So I just shared this stream summary on uh, Twitter. But if anyone else is, if no one else is going to call in, I'm going to wrap it up because we are at 40 minutes. And these are, I try to keep these around 30 minutes long. I'll give it a second. Otherwise, you guys can enjoy the rest of your day. And I've been just walking. I walked inside and I'm walking around my house. I haven't even uh, checked the chart again. Um, yeah, while I am here, before I go, I, I wanted to let you know again, you are very appreciated, you and your input. Oh, thank, thank you very you. much. Have a nice evening. Thank you very much, Leo. All right, hold Epsky. Let me get you on here and then I'll wrap it up. Hey, what's up, bud? Hey, can you hear me? Let's try that again. Hey. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I kind of follow your content mostly for the long-term uh, aspect of things because I'm obviously just a holder mainly. But uh, I was curious if you could share some of the times that you're planning to load up for the long-term. I know you said you have some spot that you keep in cold storage. I'm just curious for your perspective on the long-term holdings. Yeah, so as far as like long-term um, – you know, this period is obviously not going to last forever. So bear markets are shorter. So I'm not really like outside of this year. I think that I think I think we end up at least bottoming by mid 2023. That doesn't like we could do that in the next two months. We could do that in the next six months. But I think at least by that point, we'll, we'll put in like significant portion of the bottom or at least be behind us. The areas that I would really want to add. And I've added some spot as we broken down, because I think that my I, I get into this position where I don't want to let my like short-term bias impact my longer-term view too much. Like I still want to be able to take advantage of lower prices because I don't know exactly how far, how this can, how low this can go. But if I'm thinking that Bitcoin's going to $100,000 over the next, you know, three or four years, then from a risk reward standpoint, it makes sense for me to like at least add some spot uh, in this area. You know, we're like, what are we like 60% off the highs now? You know, we haven't come, uh, we haven't come all the way down to like that 80% level, but there's reason to believe that if there was any cycle where maybe that maximum wouldn't be hit, it might be this one, right? Because we have a completely different presence, um, than we've had in any other cycle through some of the larger institutional participants. It doesn't need to mean everything, but it is something to, to consider because they, they passively index in legacy markets. They provide bottoms in legacy markets a little differently than what we've seen in crypto, even though crypto is very reflexive. Like we know that Bitcoin can move very far, very, you know, very fast. And, um, and that could all be, you know, that could all be void. I think that the areas that I absolutely like are no brainer areas for me to get involved. Like, let's say we're going to continue to move down. Um, because this could, we could very well be bottoming here and we just go through a period of sideways activity. But no matter what, like if we come down to the 200 weekly, so the 200 weekly has been a really good level historically. Mind you, it's a very small sample size, but it's kind of like this value zone 
across multiple markets, period. So the 200 on the weekly, I think it's been really useful in the past, not an area where I would expect it to like spring price immediately, but I think it's sort of like a reversion to the mean center line. Um, and we got really far away from it, obviously, over time, right? Bull markets are going to take us very far from it. But I, I don't think that if we come back to it, it's an area where I want to still like be overly, you know, where I would really want to be bearish. I definitely think that we could chop around it. Um, <clears throat> but I think that, you know, it's all we have is is the past so far, like how Bitcoin has behaved. A lot of people act on the on the basis of that information. So I think if we come back down to the 200, it's definitely an area where I would like to get involved. Um, and that's like right now, that's like right around 22K. And that, that's a good area because that's kind of like a make or break area with respect to the previous all-time high also. And, you know, there is like this idea that we can't break the all-time high because we never did it in the past. I definitely wouldn't, um, I definitely wouldn't uh, like stick too strong to that bias because again, what has this same idea with the 200, like it's worked in the past, but it's a very small sample size. If anything, you know, it's, we're expecting it to act like dynamic support because it's sort of self-reinforcing and technical analysis is like a, you know, it's a, um, it's, it's a, what's the word I want to use? I can't somehow it's just lost me. TA is, fuck, it's, I'm totally having a brain fart, but TA is kind of like this feedback loop where, you know, it manifests, it's, the outcome we expect because all the people are acting on the same levels. I can't think of the word I want to use the phrase, but I think you get the idea. Um, so I think there's going to be a good amount of bidding around the 200, right? Maybe that lasts, maybe it doesn't. Prior all-time high is not an area where I really would want to get involved if we came all the way into that because it's a really sticky area where it's a really significant level is much lower. It's like around 13, you know, I, I hate to say it. And that actually is like in line with previous drawdowns in bull markets. Um, so long term, like unless we start, like I think 13 is like make or break, 12, 13 region. If we started falling back within that range, like that would be really ugly. Like right, that would be a significant change we hadn't experienced up to this point. You know, markets would probably have to be really tanking. But I think like the one thing that's really important is that it's a new asset class. It's the youngest asset class. Um, every young person is adopting it and the young people are going to be what create the future. It's also very correlated to overall levels of liquidity and, and risk-taking in markets. So if we were breaking down in ways that we never did in the past with BTC, it'd probably imply that the rest of markets are doing that as well. And it wouldn't be something that's like idiosyncratic where it's like, oh, Bitcoin failed. It'd be more like, oh, everything is fucked. And, you know, by proxy, Bitcoin is double fucked because of its, its beta relationship to, to equities. So I think what that implies is that uh, as long as equities find a bottom, Bitcoin is going to find a bottom and outperform. And that's my opinion. I think that like even if it doesn't, you know, go on to become a store value, if it doesn't go on to, you know, become digital gold, I think it is for enough people and it kind of benefits from having multiple identities. But I think more importantly, it's behaved like a risk asset. And we know the risk assets benefit when there's a ton of liquidity in the system. We'll get to back to a point where it's favorable to, to long tech. Um, obviously, some people are doing it right now where there's a ton of risk taking in the market again. And Bitcoin's just going to perform like beta would to the S&P. I think that relationship is, is not, I don't want to say guaranteed, but I think it's all but guaranteed. And that means that if the S&P is making new all-time highs, 
the Bitcoin is is performing very strongly again. My opinion, very strong opinion. Um, so I honestly, unless I am doom and gloom about the S and P, I can't be doom and gloom about BTC. So I think that anywhere between here and twenty k, twenty two k, is going to be a really good area to get involved with. You know, strong expectations for what's to come. If it changes, right? We just play the levels that are the next significant levels, and again, those are. Those are significantly lower, but they actually don't break any kind of previous patterns. They do if you consider the all-time high breaking. But one thing, as just a reminder, and then I'll wrap this up, um, Bitcoin's prior all-time high is not really a significant level. It's like a psychological level, but from a participation standpoint, there was really nothing that took place at the all-time high. There was barely any trading. It's a big capitulation spike of volume, but there was no structure created. It's not like you would like... uh, expect it to act like a level that had accumulated over time. And if we did break through it, I think that it, it would be, it wouldn't be as serious as everyone um, might imply with like our long-term outlook. I think it would just mean, okay, we break through it and yeah, we look, we look lower, but as long as we're not doing anything in excess of prior cycles, when it comes to like downside, meaning like as long as we're not breaking below, like back under 10 K I think it'll be okay. And we've seen how fast this market responds either way to any kind of, um, you know, change in, in, uh, in liquidity and, and in overall market structure. So I'm long-term, I'm a long-term bull. Like I, I wouldn't have spot exposure if I wasn't, I wouldn't be adding down here indiscriminately, even though I'm very specific with my trades. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate it. I think I agree with you on that 22K area being pretty significant. I think that lines up pretty well with us. Uh, some type, some uh, calculations for miners' cost of production, anyway. Although we know if they've got six cents a kilowatt hour or something in new gen uh, rigs, they could go down to like eight k or ten k. But uh, I think twenty two k range in the two hundred weekly moving average is where you back up the truck. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, thanks no, a lot for taking my call. It. Yeah, no problem, man. Good talking to you. You too. See you. Yes, self fulfilling prophecy. But I'm also thinking of something else. Um, yeah, I guess it's self-filling. I, I felt like it was another phrase. Um, TA is, yeah, self-fulfilling. I always thought it was, there was another thing that I said too, but that's the truth, right? It's, um, you know, it, it the levels are important because we all kind of determine the levels to be important. That's why Bitcoin trades less technically now than some alts and ETH, even though it still does, like very technically driven because price is value in these markets for many people. Um Alts are very still more retail driven, whereas BTC has more institutional, higher frequency presence now. So it's a little bit more noisy and distorted. But alts, like levels in alts are always so important because everyone in most, it's retail traders acting on the same level. So that's why I said earlier in this this uh, call in, like those are the first areas you could look for to build a system around just mechanical trades because you know that they exist. They're easy to spot. They're in plain sight. And as long as you're patient, Right. When they come, they're they're pretty actionable from a EV standpoint. But I'm gonna wrap it up, guys. I appreciate it. Um this one went on for like fifty minutes. Uh I don't want to cut them short ever, obviously, but we're over our limits. Everyone have a fantastic Thursday and uh I will go on again tomorrow. And tomorrow is, you know, there's really not much of a time constraint tomorrow. It's around an hour, so it's a little bit longer than this, but no rush. Until then, have a nice evening and uh thank you for joining.